Um, again, uh, it's so good to see you all here. Just want to uh, special mention to the guys from YWAM, well, the girls from YWAM, say thank you uh, for being here. Um, and these girls, what they're doing is they're actually putting on um, a worship event uh, in the city this evening in Guildhall Square at 5.30. So of all you've heard about what Rodney shared and what Ryan's been saying about our heart for the city and what we want to see God do in the city, um, a lot of it begins by worship. Um, Sam was praying this morning pre-service prayer about how Jehoshaphat sent the, the worshippers ahead of the army. Um, so uh, the, one of the ways to, start, to take this city for Jesus is to worship. Um, so I want to encourage you, if you've got a heart for the city, if you love to worship Jesus, then go along to Guildhall Square at 5.30 this afternoon. Is that okay? Cool. Uh, so over the last few weeks, we have been uh, journeying through the book of Exodus together, uh, and we've been looking at uh, the call of Moses, we've been looking at the Israelites uh, being freed from slavery in Egypt, and then over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at their journey through the wilderness uh, towards the promised land, and that's where we're going we're gonna to be in, in the midst of that this morning as well. Uh, and the title for this ongoing kind of conversation that we're having together is Set Apart, that we are a people set apart unto God for the sake of of the world. So everything that we have looked at uh, throughout this series is set in the context of mission. And that we both as individuals and as a community are set apart by God to be a blessing to our neighbors and a blessing to the nations. Uh, and that again is the context for us this morning. So we're going to look at Exodus 33 this morning. So if you want to turn there and we're going to start at verse 1. Verse 1, then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. So what God's saying here, he's saying, leave this place and continue on with the mission that I have given you. And does anyone remember the place where the Israelites currently are right now? or what's just happened in that place. Um, God, or John spoke a little bit about it last week. So what's happened is Moses has went up Mount Sinai um, to receive the Ten Commandments, and when he comes back down, the people have built a golden calf, and they are worshiping uh, this calf and thanking it for bringing them out of Egypt. Um, so in this single moment, the people dishonor and disobey half the Ten Commandments before Moses has even got the tablets to the bottom of the mountain. It doesn't take long for them uh, to mess up. And uh, some of the things that they disobeyed was, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. Have no other gods before me. Do not make for yourself an idol and bow down to it and worship. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. In other words, don't attribute anything to my name that is not in my nature. So Exodus 33 uh, picks up the story where the people of Israel have just made an absolute mess of everything. They have got it completely wrong. And then here in verse 1, God says to the people, let's go again. Let's go again. You are still on mission. Your mess and your mistakes have not disqualified you from the mission. 
And I believe that there's a number of us in the room this morning, and that is a word for you, that your mess, that your mistakes have not disqualified you from the mission that God has for you. You feel that, some of you feel that maybe your own choices, maybe the choices of others towards you, maybe your circumstances, maybe just the difficulties of, of life, maybe just the last two years of the pandemic, whatever it is, and you feel like you've been disqualified or you've missed or you're unqualified for God's purposes and promises in your life. Well, I want to tell you this morning, you have not missed it. You haven't missed it, and you're not disqualified. This verse is a moment of of recommissioning, where God says to them, leave your mess, leave your mistakes, get going, move towards the mission to which I have called you. And I believe that there's the Lord wants to recommission some of us in the room this morning, that he's saying to you, leave your mess, leave your mistakes, leave your circumstance, leave your difficulty, leave your disappointment, get going and move towards the mission for which I have called you. And before we can go any further this morning, I actually believe that we need to take a moment to respond uh, together. And I know this sort of response, we normally leave it for the end, but can I tell you, God moves at the start as well as the end. And I don't feel like we can move into the rest of what God wants to do this morning without creating space to respond now. So if what I've been saying about has been stern within you or if it's just applicable where you feel like you've missed it, where you feel disqualified, you feel unqualified, then I want to encourage you to get ready to respond because we're going to do a little bit of a response now in a moment. Uh, But before that, I feel like the Lord has put a couple of people in my heart that I want to share some things with first. So you... If this is you, you, you re- get ready to respond, and I'm just going to uh, share a couple of things with a few people. So as I was praying um, and preparing for today, um, there's a couple of people the Lord put in my heart, and one of them was, uh, was Peter, Peter, Peter Finch. Um, whenever I was preparing this, I just really felt the Lord wanted me to encourage you that you haven't, you've not missed it. You've not missed the call of God in your life. And he reminded me, I feel like it was a bit of a picture of a time where you were in a situation, I feel like it could have been like a youth camp or a youth weekend or something. And it's kind of like the context of Isaiah where God's going, who's going to go for me? And Isaiah goes, send me. And I feel like you had a moment in your life when you're like, God, I'm going to go for you. I'm going to give you everything in my heart. I, I don't want just a normal life. My life is set apart for you. And I just feel like the Lord wants to remind you of that this morning, Peter, that it's, I know you've been through a difficult time. There's been lots that's went on over the last few years, but I just want to encourage you that God says you haven't missed it. You haven't missed it. And he's, he's, he's saying to you, don't, I feel like you've set it to one side. Like you know that God's called you, but you're like, it's, it's there. Maybe, maybe I know I can, I can serve God through my business, through my family, through friendships, but there's this thing sitting here. And he's like, Peter, he's like, Peter this is what I've said. This is what you've, what you've been set apart to do. And he's just inviting you to step back into it. And I just want to tell you as well, he loves you, Peter. He loves you so much. And you know what? We as a church family, we love you as well. We really do. And we honor who you are. And we honor what you've sown into this house. We honor who you are in God. And I just want to encourage you this morning that you haven't missed it. And God's inviting you to step back into all that he's spoken over your life. And he's just saying, come on, Peter. It's there for you. 
there's there's no mistakes, there's no mess, there's no circumstances that has disqualified you from what I've said. My promises are as true today as they were the, that first moment. So I just wanna I just wanna encourage you, I wanna bless you, and just wanna invite you to step into what the Father is inviting you into. Is that okay? Cool. Um, Jerry as well, Jerry Burns. I just when I was preparing, I just felt like the God highlight me. Um, Caleb. Um, so you've got Josh and Caleb, and we'll probably pick them up later on in this in this series. But the thing about Caleb was Caleb was a man who had a different spirit. Um, and when everyone went to the promised land, they went to get the report. He came back and was like, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's this. Yes, it's that. But hey, we can do this. We can do this. Uh, but the people, uh, they, they, don't, they don't quite have the same faith. They don't quite have the same perspective or the same conviction about what God can do. So he, Caleb's left in the wilderness for 40 years. Um, and then there's a moment comes where Caleb comes to the people and he says, right, now's the time to take our inheritance. My zeal for the promises of God, my zeal for, what, for my inheritance is as great as it's ever been. So let's, come, can we, let's go and take the land. Um, and the thing about Caleb is he says, I want the whole country. God had promised him that he could have everywhere where he set his foot. And he says, I want the whole country. I don't want the, the fertile ground. I don't want the easy ground. I want the whole country. And the thing about the whole country is, is that's where the giants lived. And that's where the fortified cities were. That's where the enemy stronghold was. And Caleb, uh, he, he says, I want that. I want to demolish and remove the strongholds of the enemy. And I feel like uh, the Lord is saying to you, Jerry, that your zeal for the city, your zeal for the, the inheritance which he's called to you is as strong as it's ever been. And he's saying, I have given you the hill country. I've given you the strongholds. You have someone who goes after the strongholds. And the beautiful thing about the strongholds is they were transformed into uh, Kiliath Arba became Hebron, where David was anointed as king. So some of the strongholds that you're called to demolish will actually be the place where kings and queens are anointed. So I just want to encourage you that God's got more for you. Um, it's not the end. It's actually the start of a new, a new beginning, and he's given you strongholds. So he says, go after it. Uh, I, I've with you. I've given it to you. And you're going to see the future generation actually walk in freedom for because of what you push into and what you lean into. Is that okay? Uh, Sarah, right? Is Sarah in here this morning, is she? Oh, she's up in kids. Oh, well, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll speak to Sarah, Sarah after. So uh, just to pull back in for a moment, if you're in this room and you feel for whatever reason that you are not qualified for the mission that God has for you, if you feel you've, you've missed it, if you feel like you're disqualified, if you feel actually like you're just thankful that you're saved, you, you, you couldn't, you're just thankful that God even loves you and you can't believe that God would actually have something for you, if you fit into any of those categories this morning, I just want to invite uh, you to respond this morning. So let's, everyone, just let's close our eyes. Uh, let's bow our heads. Um, and if that's you this morning, if you feel like you've missed it, if you feel like you have yet to step into the fullness of all that God has for you, I want to ask you to be really, really brave. I want to ask you to stand up. And by standing up, what you're doing is you're saying yes to being set apart again for the mission. So I want to encourage you, if that's you, who's going to be brave and stand up first? Because I believe there's, there's quite a few people in the room this morning at this for. Thank you. Thank you for standing up. Is there anyone else? That's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Is there anyone else? I feel like there's more. There's more people this morning. 
so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So I'm just going to take a moment just to pray. Lord, I just thank you for, for each and every person in this room that you have called each and every person in this room. You've set each one of us apart for a specific purpose, a specific mission. God, I thank you for the bravery of those who have stood up, who are saying yes to this invitation to be recommissioned this morning, who are saying yes to stepping into all that you have for them. And I just say, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you rest on them right now? Would you come and your presence surround them? And we just release the anointing of heaven over them. And we commission them today in the name of Jesus that they are set apart unto you for the work of the kingdom. To be a blessing everywhere they go. To bring life everywhere they go. To bring the mission and the message and the ministry of Jesus everywhere they go. Come Holy Spirit. Let's fall afresh this morning. Fall afresh this morning, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just keep receiving from him this morning. Just keep receiving. Lord, I just pray even right now, you begin to release dreams and release visions and release a, a picture of the future that you're calling them into. Like Just like Ryan said, that you would just release gifts right now, gifts of your spirit, and they would be equipped and they would be empowered to do all that you've called them to do, Jesus. Pray that of a revelation in their heart that they're good enough, that they've been sent by you, Jesus. So I just pray you'd bless them this morning. Bless each of us in the room this morning. And that even if we're not standing in our own hearts, we would we'd say yes once again to the mission you have for us. That you would say yes once again to being set apart for your kingdom purposes on the earth. And everyone says, amen. Hey, just encourage you if, just to keep receiving. If God's still moving or still speaking to you, just stay in that posture to receive. Um, so, uh, back to our text, we're going to look at uh, verses 2 and 3. Um, and, then, and God says then, I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Havites, and Jebusites. Uh, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you. God said to the people, I will send an angel ahead of you to drive out um, all the inhabitants of the land. I'll do miracles and signs and wonders. Sounds a lot like Egypt, doesn't it? Uh, but here's what he says. My holy presence will not go with you. I will honor my promise to you and to your ancestors, but I will not be present with you. You can have the promise, but not my presence. And in this moment, God is asking them something quite profound. And their answer to, to, to the question reveals, uh, re reveals what's really in their hearts. And God is asking them, and indeed he is asking us this morning, will we settle for the promise without his presence? 
Will we be satisfied if all God's promises come to pass in our lives, but he is not present with us? Do you know it's possible to be a recipient of God's grace, of his provision, of his favor, of his miracles, and still be far from his presence? You know, we can do all the right things. We can say all the right things. We can go to all the right places, and his presence can still not be there. We can do church, we can have great worship, we can have great preaching, we can do hearts, we can do hope center, we can do all the things that churches do and still not of his presence. And I think it was D.L. Moody once asked the question, you know, if the Holy Spirit was to stop coming to your church, would anyone notice? Would anyone notice? I'm thankful that I'm part of a church where we would definitely notice that we're part of a church that prioritizes the presence of God. But what about us as individuals? Will we settle for the promise without his presence? And you know, our answer to this question reveals what matters to us most. And in verse 15, we see what truly matters to Moses. Then Moses said to him, said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. If your presence does not go, then we are not going. Moses will not settle for the promise without his presence. Because Moses knows the blessing and the beauty of the presence of God. So Moses has encountered God in ways that up to this point in history, no one else had. You know, God spoke to Moses from a bush that wouldn't burn up. You know, have you ever thought of that? A bush spoke to you? Moses gets to meet God face to face. It says no one was allowed to, to, to see God's face, but Moses met with God and they met face to face. Moses was used by God to do all these incredible miracles and signs and wonders. And, and there, so Moses knows the value. He knows the beauty. He knows the blessing that is the presence of God. And he knows that there is nothing Nothing, nothing more precious in this earth, on this earth, than God's holy presence. And the reality is this. No promise from God can ever come close to the presence of God. No promise from God can ever come close to the promise of the presence, sorry, the presence of God himself. And that's not all. Moses had a revelation about God's presence that goes even deeper than this. Verse 16 how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? Moses' revelation is this. We can live in the place of promise without God's presence, but we can only fulfill the purpose of promise with God's presence. That's a bit wordy, so I'll say it again. We can live in the place of promise without God's presence, but we can only fulfill the purpose of promise with God's presence. Because it is God's presence that sets us apart. And it has been set apart that positions us to be a blessing to the nations. Let me ask you a different question. Who in the room likes to bake cake? 
a few hands. That was the next question. Who in the room likes to eat cake? Ah, that's much more hands for that one. That's good. So uh, this is not going to be the perfect illustration uh, by any means, but I hope it'll uh, help give you a better idea um, or understanding of what I'm kind of trying to communicate. So I want you to imagine you're going to bake a cake. Now, if it was John up here this morning, he would have all the stuff because John loves a wee prop. He also loves to bake. So he would have all the ingredients and he would be preaching and making the cake at the same time. Thus is uh, how good John is. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Um, probably because I couldn't bake a cake. would be a fair point to start with. But uh, I want to, to imagine you to imagine you're going to bake a cake. So you have all the ingredients in the bowl. You have the flour, you have the butter, you have the egg, and whatever else would go into a cake. You have all the stuff you need. So everything you need for this delicious cake is right in this bowl. So I want you now to imagine your, your life. Imagine that you're living in the right place, the place where God has you, doing the job that God wants you to do with all the right skills, with all the right training, with all the right gifts, with all the right resources. You have everything you need to fulfill the mission that God has given you in this bowl. You're living in the place of promise. But is the purpose of the promise fulfilled? In this moment, is the cake going to be a blessing to those who eat it? No. What needs to happen? It needs to be cooked. It needs to go in the oven. So it takes the presence of the heat of the oven to transform the ingredients into something edible. The ingredients of the cake are not a blessing to anyone without the presence of the heat. And here's what I want you to see. So you can be living in the place of promise. You can have all the right ingredients in the right place. But without God's presence, the heat and the oven, that's what tra brings transformation. You cannot fulfill the purpose of the promise, which is a delicious cake. And Moses understood that if God's presence did not go with them, they would never be able to fulfill the mission that God had for them. It is God's presence that sets us apart. And it has only been set apart onto God that allows us to be a blessing to your world. So there are two truths I kind of want you to grab hold of today. First one is, God's presence must be more important to us than God's promise. And it is number two, it is only with God's presence that we can fulfill God's promise. So if you are going to fulfill the mission that God has given you in your life, and if we as a church are going to fulfill the mission that God has given us in this city, then we must be a people of God's presence. Pursuing God's presence must be the highest priority in our lives. And it was the highest priority in Moses' life. In verse 17, God, God grants Moses' request. So Moses says, Lord, if your presence doesn't go, we're not going. And, and God says, yes, my presence will go with you. And then Moses responds to God with this in verse 18. Then Moses says, now show me your glory. Show me your glory. Hold on a minute here, Moses. You have just asked God to, to, to go with you, to give you his presence he has said, yes, I'll go. And now you have the audacity to respond with, show me 
your glory. Not to mention, like we've said, that Moses has encountered God in ways that no one else had in history up to this point. And yet Moses is like, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. It seems like a bit audacious. It seems a bit arrogant or a bit cocky that God said, yes, Moses, I'll, I'll do that. And Moses is like, no, I want more. I want, me to, I want you to show me your glory. I want, I want to see more of you than I've ever known to this point. Uh, and God responds to Moses uh, in verse 19. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Here's what he's saying. I am a good and glorious God. And you will encounter the very reality of my name, Yahweh. And Yahweh means that God is dynamically present among his people. So it's this reality that God is not just head knowledge, but actually that you encounter him. So we just don't sing God as healer. We actually have the reality of that in our lives. Or that God is good. We actually know that. Or God is faithful. We actually encounter that. We actually know that. And so what God is saying to Moses is, I will show you the fullness of who I am. I will show you all of my goodness, all of my glory. And let me say this, the glory of God is not just this like ethereal kind of idea. It's a present reality that God's goodness and God's glory are one and the same. So to encounter God's goodness is to encounter his glory. To encounter his glory is to encounter his goodness. They are one and the same. And this is, this is a wonderful, this is such a, a stunning response from God. God lavishly, lavishly pours out his glory upon Moses. He does not withhold it from him. And I think sometimes we can mistakenly have the perspective that God is withholding his glory from us, but that is not the case. And often the reason we do not have is because we do not ask. And you know, God's glory is, he's attracted to outrageous faith and audacious hunger. He, God was actually loved the fact that Moses was so bold, was so audacious to say, show me your glory. That actually captivated God's heart. He was, longs for that kind of faith. He longs for that kind of hunger. And cause, because God loves to reveal his glory to us. The reality is, though, that in God's kingdom, there are some things that are reserved for those who are hungry, that only the hungry get to see, that only the hungry get to, to taste. And Jesus tells us, a, a, tells us a parable about the kingdom of God. And he says, there's a man who found treasure in a field. And on finding the treasure, he goes away, sells everything he has to buy the field so that he can have the treasure. And the treasure is this. The treasure is the kingdom of God. The treasure is the kingdom of God or the glory of God. And he has such value for God for the treasure that he sells everything to have it. And the thing is, the treasure is available to everyone, but only those who recognize its value and are willing to pursue it will receive it. There are measures of God's glory that are reserved for those who recognize its value and who have an audacious, insatiable hunger to pursue it. 
just like Moses. You know, God's glory is available to us, to each of us, irrespective of where you're at in the journey. If you're at the start of the journey, if you're a long way into the journey, whether you feel like you're doing well on the journey, whether you feel like you're failing on the journey, wherever you find yourself this morning, God's glory is available to you. But are you willing to pursue it? Do you value the glory of God? Do you have value for it? Do you recognize its worth? And how hungry are you to receive it? Because God longs to pour out his glory on those who are hungry for it. And I believe God is inviting us in this season to be a people, to be a church who are hungry for his glory. And he is inviting us to cry out just like Moses, show me your glory, show me your glory, show me your glory. I know I've seen you move this way to this moment, but Lord, there has to be more. There has to be more. We hear stories of what you've done. We hear stories, and they're not even far off stories. They're stories of what he's done in this city, stories of what he's done in this nation. It's like, Lord, you've done this before. Do it again. The cry of our heart is, Lord, show us your glory. Do it again. Do what only you can do. And that's, and that's what we're going to take some time to do this morning. We're going to create some space for us to respond and cry out for his glory to come. Uh, but before that, there's just one more thing um, I kind of want to touch on. Um, when John uh, gave me this topic to kind of to preach on, um, and I first read through Exodus 33, um, there were a few verses that immediately uh, were highlighted to me, um, and I felt God ask me um, a question. And it was, he spoke to me really directly, and I felt like the weight of it as, it was just like one of those moments where you read something and it kind of like hits you in the chest. And I felt God asked me this question. I felt him ask me, who sets the level of your hunger? Who sets the level of your hunger? So that was somebody who's asking me personally, who sets the level of your hunger? And I believe it's something he's asking you this morning. Who sets the level of your hunger for God's glory and for God's presence? If we go back to verse 9 and verse 11 of Exodus 33, it says, As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And we've, we've been speaking all morning about Moses' hunger for God's presence and how Moses has encountered God's glory in all these incredible ways and all these things. But look here what it says about Joshua. It said, Joshua did not leave the tent. Joshua stayed even after Moses left. Not even Moses set the level of Joshua's hunger for God's presence. If you think about it, all the things that Moses had seen, all the ways that Moses had encountered the glory of God, you would think, wow, I'd love to be like Moses. You'd imagine if you were Joshua and you're, you're his sort of his, his, his aid, that you'd be like, wow, I'd love to see that stuff. I wish I could do that. I wish God could use me like that. And he probably had some of that, but he's like, not even 
Moses sets the level of my hunger. I'm going to, Moses, you can go on and do what you need to do, but I'm staying here in God's presence. I'm staying here because Joshua wanted more. Not only did he want more, he wanted God's glory. He wanted to encounter God's glory for himself. He didn't want to live out of someone else's encounter, live out of someone else's experience. He wanted to live out of his own, to encounter God for himself, that he would see God face to face himself. And I wonder this morning for us, who is setting the level of your hunger for God's glory, for God's presence? You know, is it John or Patty or others within leadership? Maybe it's like a well-known worship leader that we listen to on Spotify or some, some popular preacher that's famous the world over. You know, it's great to be inspired by them. That's, that's not wrong. That's good. But you can't allow their preaching or their worship or their lifestyle to determine the level of your own hunger. Get around those people. Be inspired by those people. Listen to their sermons. Listen to what they have to say. Be like Joshua. Go with Moses. Don't go with them. Be part of it. But at the end of the day, your hunger is your own responsibility. It's your responsibility. I can't create hunger for you. None of us in here can create a hunger for you. Only you can cultivate your own hunger. Only you can be responsible for your own hunger. Maybe it's not leadership that sets the level of your hunger. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your circumstance. You know, you often see people who are new to faith or maybe someone who's just back from a missions trip or maybe if if you've been part of CSM here as well um, and you're totally on fire for God. You see these people and they're totally on fire for God and they're just so excited and so hungry for God and for his presence. But then over time, their hunger begins to fade. It begins to fade. I think honestly that most of the time, this is because they have allowed other people or circumstance to set the level of their hunger. You know, so often I see people have a a powerful encounter with God and they become so hungry and on fire for him. But then because their friends or their family haven't had the same experience, or maybe they don't even have the same hunger, those friendships, those relationships become strained or uncomfortable, and all of a sudden you feel misunderstood. And because there is now a tension in the relationship that wasn't there before, you actually choose to reduce your hunger down to the level that's acceptable for them. And the reality is your, your hunger is offensive to them because it reveals that their hunger's not where it, sh- it once was or not where it should be. And I'm speaking here about friendships between believers. Not, not non- I'm not talking about your non-Christian friends. I'm talking about your Christian friends because actually hunger's attractive to non-believers, it, but it's pretty offensive to to lukewarm ones. Hunger's 
offensive to those who are religious. Hunger is offensive to those who just kind of want to make do, who, who like the idea of God but don't really want the reality of him. They'll have him as Savior but not as Lord. And if you meet someone who's super hungry and all after God, often it's a bit offensive. And you try and say, oh, you need to calm down. You need to you know, mature in your faith. You need to do this. You need to do that. And actually, it's like, no, you need to get hungry. You need to recognize the glory of the one you, you claim to proclaim. You need to recognize who he is, that he's high and lifted up. He is seated in the right hand of the Father. That right now in heaven, millions upon millions upon millions of angels are bowing at his feet, crying out, holy, holy, holy. That's the revelation that we're to have. And I want to encourage you to reflect and, and ask yourself, is there a culture of hunger among your Christian friends or your friendship group? Do you pray for each other? Do you encourage each other in faith? Do you talk about Jesus together? Do you share what Jesus is speaking to you about? Or do you just talk about church? You know, the truth is, if you are talking about church and not chatting about your walk with Jesus, or if you're not praying uh, or encouraging each other, the conversations you're having are probably not very healthy. If you're just chatting about church and you're not chatting about Jesus and you're not praying and encouraging each other, it's probably not very healthy conversations you're having. And you know, and if this is the case within your friendship groups or your friends. I'm not saying remove those people from your life. Don't do that. Just recognize the friendships for what they are and what they aren't, and then redefine them. In other words, don't let those who are less hungry than you set the level of your hunger. Actually, if it offends them or if it challenges them, that's okay. That's okay. And you know what? I know this to be true because I've experienced it in my own life. I've, I've lived this. I've had to journey this. And it's not always fun. And sometimes relationships change. Sometimes friendships change. But you know what? That's okay. Because you know what? When I encountered the glory of God and he transformed my life, I was forever marked. I was forever transformed. Far from perfect, but completely transformed. And there's nothing else that, that comes close to the presence of God. I'm ruined for everything but his presence. And here's the thing. The greater measures of glory you encounter, the greater measures of glory you long for. You know, it says if you drink from the streams of living water, you will be satisfied, which is true because you're satisfied in God. But what it also does is it creates a, a dissatisfaction in you for anything less. So, once you've tasted from the streams of living water, no other water will do. No other water will do. So you're ruined for anything less. And the thing is, no matter what measure of God's glory you've encountered, whether it's big, whether it's small, there's always more. There's always more. And that's what Moses understood. There's always more. God's like, yes, my presence will go with you. And for them, that looked like a, a, a cloud and it looked like fire. And Moses is like, I want more. Show me your glory. I want more of you than I've experienced to this point. I know there's more available and I long for that. 
and I long for that personally. I, I long for more. I am so dissatisfied for with what I've experienced at this point. It's been amazing, but I want more. I don't want to read revival stories of history. I want to be one. I want to be in one. I want to see it happen. Not as the center stage, but just part, just someone who was there and seen God move and see a city transformed. That's my heart. That's my heart. That is my heart to see, see him come and see him do all that he can do. And, and as part of that, I have, I have decided, I have determined in my heart that there's only one person in my life who sets the level of hunger in me for God's presence. That's me. It's my responsibility. If I'm not feeling it, it's, it's on me. It's on me. That's, it's my responsibility. My hunger is my responsibility. I can be inspired by others. I can be encouraged by others. I can go to places where I know God will move, where I know God will speak, where I know his presence is valued and pursued. But at the end of the day, it's still my responsibility. And, you know, I could preach a whole sermon, you know, on the ways to cultivate hunger. Um, but let me, give you, let's give me, let me give you five simple things, and then, we'll, and then we'll tie it up. First thing, worship. Be a person of worship. Put on worship music, but actually worship. Sing the songs. Cultivate this attitude of worship in your life. If you have the gift of tongues, Pray in tongues, worship in tongues. It feeds your soul. If you don't have the gift of tongues, ask for it. God says he loves to give good gifts. There's something about it. It stirs something in you. I encourage you to, second thing, pray. Speak to God. Ask him to cultivate a hunger within you. Really, it's the overflow of relationship. It's all about relationship. So prayer is just relationship with Jesus. It's just conversation. Third thing, Bible. Read the word of God and ask him to speak to you through it. Read the passages. Get inspired by the encounters that people had in the Bible. That is an invitation for God to do the same in our life. The, 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 what we read about Moses is actually available to us. What we read about and all these people that we aspire to and look up to, that's available for us as well. Fourth thing, books and podcasts. Read books, listen to sermons of people who are hungry for God's presence, who are hungry to see the kingdom come and will help you actually begin to live and walk it out. Fifth and final thing, travel. Go to places where you know God shows up. There's just certain places where God comes and meets with people because of the culture, because of the atmosphere, because there's a hunger there. And we said he's attracted to hunger. So if you see things, places, conferences, events, get to those things where you know God's going to show up. Don't miss out and be part of what God is doing. So let's pull it back in. As we come in for a close, I just want to ask, how hungry are you for God's presence? This is not a judgmental thing. This is not, it's a challenge but it's an invitation because the Lord longs to reveal himself to us in greater measure. How hungry are you? And you know what? If you don't feel that hungry, ask him. Ask him. Ask him. So I just want to invite you. I want to get to your feet. We're we're just going to create some space to, to respond this morning to receive prayer. And really what we're, what we're going to do is we're, gonna, we're just going to cry out for 
God's glory to come. Just like Moses, show me your glory. And you know what? If you're in the room and you don't have a hung, if you don't have that hunger from of God's glory like Moses did, that's okay. You can come and respond and say, I want to be hungry. Lord, help me be hungry. And I believe God will do that. He will meet with you. So just want to encourage you. If you want to close your eyes, bow your heads. Um, just we're going to take some a little bit of time here to respond. And we're going to wait for God's glory to come. It's not something that I can manufacture. It's not something that, yeah, that I can do. All we can do is create the space and invite him to come. So, so Lord, I just thank you that you are a glorious God. And I thank you that you long for us to encounter this glory. That you are not withholding yourself from us this morning. You're not withholding yourself from us. So Lord, we just ask and we invite you, would you come this morning? The cry of our hearts in this place is, Lord, show us your glory. Show us your glory. Show us your glory, God. So we just invite your glory to come. Just invite your glory to come and fill the room. That the weight of God's glory would just come. Say more, Lord Jesus, more. More, Lord Jesus. We recognize our need for your presence. That we can do all the right things. We can say all the right things. We can have all these great activities. But Lord, if your presence is not there, it won't do a thing. We need your presence, Jesus. So come. We're desperate for your presence. We want to be a people marked by your presence. I invite some of our uh, CLA guys to the front and we're going to create space for prayer as well. If you, if you want to personally respond this morning to say that you're hungry to encounter the glory of God or you're not hungry but you want to be, we would love to pray with you. So if you're part of CLA, if you want to c- come forward, I just want to invite people, if you're, if you're hungry and you would like prayer this morning, if you want to encounter the glory of God, would you come forward now? Just encourage you to come. We'd love to pray with you. Just invite you to come. The Lord longs to meet with you. If you're hungry for him, if you just want to come forward. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for coming first. Believe there's more in the room. And I'm just going to pray for, for all of us. 
and there'll be a, the team will stay here at the front. So if you want to come at a, come in a wee minute to, to get prayer, that's okay. We'll stay here for you. Um, so I'm going to pray collectively for us, and then we're going to do a soft close. Um, so if you've kids, you can go and get your kids. But I really want to encourage you that God longs to encounter you this morning. And if you just come and position yourself to receive, I believe he will fill you. So Lord, I just thank you this morning that you are a God who is not far off, but you are a God who draws near to each one of us. And I just say, Lord, would you come in your glory? Would you come and fill every person in this place from their head to their toes, Jesus? Would you come and anoint them? for the ministry and the message of Jesus, that you would set them apart for the mission to which you've called them, a mission to bring transformation to the city, yes, but also to our families, to our neighborhoods, to our workspaces, our workplaces, our classrooms, Jesus. Lord, would your glory fall in this place? Would your glory fall in this place? And I pray, Lord, that we would get, that we would understand that this is not a one-time response. This is not a one-time deal. This is the cry of our hearts. This is our lifestyle that every morning we wake up going, God, show me your glory today. Show me your glory today. Wherever I am, wherever I may find myself, show me your glory. Fill me with your spirit so that I can be set apart and be a blessing to every person I meet today. So, Lord, would you come? Will you fall afresh on us today? Fall afresh on us this week. Have your way in our hearts. Have your way in our lives. And we say yes to being set apart for your purposes on the earth. Let me just encourage you once more. If you if you want if you want prayer, if you want to respond, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. For everyone else.